welcome to this CM Life Science mini-series, Lessons from Leaders in Life Science. I'm today's host, Jack McLean, and my focus here at CM Life Science is the bioinformatics space, with a specialist interest in connecting with leaders in the space to gain valuable insight from their climb to the top. In today's episode, I speak with Grant Neckerman, an SVP of Talent at SciApps, about how to find your niche and build a career based on what you like. Whether you're interested in learning valuable insight from a leader in life sciences, great tips for networking in the space, or you just want to hear an inspiring story, then be sure to have a listen. Here it is, and I hope you enjoy. Just to, to kick us off then, Grant, um, give us a, a bit of a background on yourself, um, the position you're in, you know, your experience, your key areas of expertise and, and things like that, just for those listening. Yeah, so um, I'm the senior vice president of talent at uh, a company called SciApps. We're um, on a mission, I suppose that the the, uh, the the website says, right, on a mission to to uh, eliminate the the fear and burden of serious disease using real world evidence. It's a a way of saying that we help uh, doctors and researchers and oncologists kind of across the the cancer care spectrum make better decisions about how to accelerate the future of medicine and cancer care with um, with data. So I'm, I come to this from uh, from more of the pure tech world. So my first stop at the intersection of of healthcare and uh, of healthcare and technology is is this role, and it's been it's been really exciting. So I've been here for six years. Um, prior to this, uh, it was all enterprise software as a service, consumer web, things along those lines. And so um, certainly really interesting technical challenges in those worlds, but it's been um, it's been exciting for the last six years to kind of work in a space that's integrating, I think, the, the power and the future of technology into something as kind of impactful and important to all of us as cancer care, right? Yeah, yeah so, of course. Brilliant. Well, I guess what's what's a little different here is that some of the um, the previous people we've spoken with have kind of got into the life sciences market early and then have kind of risen um, through the ranks uh, from from kind of an, an early age in life sciences. But you mentioned that this is your uh, first um, position or kind of venture into it. What I guess what attracted you to life sciences? You know, is it kind of a personal thing? Is it more a case of you know it just looked exciting? Yeah, I mean, I think it comes back to what we were just talking about, right? So for a long time, I've, um, I'll, I guess I'll, I'll, stop, I'll take a half a step back here. I'll tell a story. So I came up uh, in the recruiting business in kind of the early aughts. So I got started in well, late aughts. So I got started in 2006 and 2007 and worked with a lot of really exciting companies. But um, it, it, it felt a little bit like we were kind of making marginal improvements on things that were already pretty well established. And I always kind of had this like creeping fear in the back of my mind that I'd missed it. And I, I wasn't even sure I knew what it was, but I had this like creeping fear that I'd missed it. Amazon was already huge. Google was already huge. Like these huge technological kind of you know, these companies, um, they were already established. And there was kind of a period of time there where there were no real other like big breakouts. And it started to feel like all we're going to be doing Doing for this, you know, for a for a forward-looking period of time, is making marginal improvements on things that are that are important, um, but maybe not the same scale of like innovation and like culture changing that um, that some of the early, I think, it was like the invention of the internet or bringing you know structured search to the internet, things like that, um, were really able to do. And when I found Psyops, and I, I first heard the story of Psyops, I remember thinking 
this is game changing. Like if, if this can happen and it's this big, if, right. Uh, if this can happen, if we can meaningfully use data to accelerate cancer care or healthcare generally in a way that it's just not being used today, or at least inefficiently being used today, this changes the whole paradigm of the way that we think about how care is done. And like, that was really exciting. And it was the first time I remember feeling like I hadn't missed it. And today it seems silly because now there's all of these incredible things going on. And SIAPS is far from the only company really revolutionizing healthcare. There's so many incredible things happening in the AI space. And there are all of these companies that are meaningfully changing the way that we, um, that we experience the world that my fear now feels hilariously misplaced all those years ago. But I, I remember it very distinctly. And I remember the first time I heard the story of SIAPS being the first time that I thought, this has that level of impact on not just like the techies that I like to hang out with and like my little circle of friends who like to talk about this stuff, but like my grandma, my grandpa, like my kids, um, everything like this really, this, this changes the way we view society. Brilliant. Yeah, no, that's really interesting. I guess just to, to look at maybe people that might want to take a similar um, trajectory to yourself and reach uh, the seniority that you have, within um, the more recruiting side of the life sciences market. Um, from a talent acquisition standpoint, you know, is, is there any tips you'd give on, on the route there? Do people have to come from maybe, you know, like we do like an agency type background or do people get into TA early and kind of work up? What do you think? Yeah, Jack, I'm not sure I could recreate it for myself if I tried to. So <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure about that, um, but sure, let me, um, I'll tell you a couple of things that work for me anyway. Sure. So you yeah. can you can take those for what they're worth. I'll tell you a couple of things that work for me. And I, I think, you know, one, um, one of the things I love about recruiting is that people, I, I know very, very, I know a ton of recruiters. And I know very few of them that honestly got into this business on purpose. We all kind of stumbled yeah. into it backwards. But what's fun about that is that you end up with people with all kinds of different backgrounds and experiences and life experiences that they bring to the table. So my background is in media and broadcasting. Um, I work with a lot of teachers. Uh, I work with a lot of folks who actually came up the finance route, who came up the sales route, but they all found a passion somewhere in the middle for um, two of my favorite things in the world, which is people and doing deals. Like that's why I, I, I think people know around here that I light up when I get a chance to, to still just to be a recruiter on a day-to-day basis yeah. and get out of spreadsheets and get out of executive life and, uh, and just work with, just talk with people and do deals. Yeah. Uh, and I think so one of the great things is there is no clear cut path. And I think it's one of really the best ways um, for someone, especially who's young, who's trying to find a career, who's whether they're interested in tech or they're interested in the life sciences, finance, whatever it is. Um, there really aren't a lot of barriers to entry to getting into the recruiting game. Um, that certainly creates some problems also in the yeah. industry, yeah. but ultimately for someone who's talented, hungry, um, good at it, um, you know, the, the low barrier to entry gives a lot of opportunity for folks to get into the industry. And so I, yeah. I love that about it. And as far as like, as far as tips or things about how to progress in your career and move up, um, you know, I think there's, um, I'll say two things that are a little bit at conflict with each other and um, I'll, I'll recognize that at the gate. But one is like saying yes to a lot of just random opportunities. Uh, I think the more times you can just say, yeah, I'll try that. Yeah, I'll jump on that project, even if it's not in your scope of experience, even if it's not, quote, your job. Um, we have kind of have a saying that I like to 
um, perpetuate around psyops, which is there's no such thing as not my job. Um, right. You know, some people call it pick up a wrench. Like at the end of the day, just get in the trenches, say yes, do work, be helpful, um, and get in there. And I think there's a ton of that, and the different experiences and different exposure you'll get um, where it may not seem there's opportunity um, often presents itself. So I think there's a lot of just say yes. Um, and the other thing I'll add here, um, I have been. Uh, I have been greatly rewarded for staying at SIAPS. Uh, and in a time and a day and an age when I think we've seen average tenure for employees, at least in Silicon Valley anyway, fall to below 20 months. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think enough people talk about the upside of staying put. Um, and I recognize your recruiting agency, so sorry if I'm working <laughs> with you here. But at the end of the day, like, there's, um, I, I think the equation that enough, not enough people are asking themselves is like, where do I actually have the best chance to grow? And there's this, um, there's a tendency with humans, I think, to always think the grass is greener on the other side. And I'm certainly not arguing that everyone can grow in their career by staying put, but if you're looking at an organization, um, that's consistently promoted you or other people um, that have consistently shown they value growth, that they um, that they have paths for promotion. I think as a um, generally as a species, we tend to think that there's more opportunity where we aren't than where we are. Uh, and for me, at least, I think doing the work, um, being dedicated to the cause, uh, I've been more than equally rewarded for that. And so I do think that um, where possible, avoiding the switching costs of uh, yeah. constantly changing roles is um, is is an underused strategy. While also knowing when like when you've stopped growing, there is that point at which like once yeah. you stop growing and you feel that stagnation setting in, like that should be the trigger yeah. for most people to to really consider what what the next step is. Yeah. I think too often that's not really the ultimate driver, especially at um, especially at earlier earlier careers, uh, earlier stages in people's careers, you've heard uh, maybe the expression, you know, uh, learn in your twenties, earn in your thirties. Uh, yeah. I think there's a, I think there's a lot to that, uh, and really being focused on are you learning and are you growing as the primary driver for for making those choices in your career. Yeah. Got it. So yeah, I guess I guess some tips there from yourself that would be you know recognize if you're in a company that's gonna help you reach the level of seniority that you're at currently, which, you know, is going to be one of the next questions is, you know, what kind of tips would you give someone to reach that level of seniority? But, you know, it sounds like taking on the right opportunities, saying yes to to things that maybe fall outside of um, your scope of responsibility. And then, you know, trusting the company you, you work for to, to recognize your value and and promote you. Um, as a response to yeah, that. Right. So I think, yeah, so a couple of things on that, maybe we can expand on, right? So trust but verify uh, yeah, to, yeah. Uh, to, to, to steal the quote, right? So you don't, uh, it's not blind trust, but it's if they have a track record of promoting folks that they've taken good care of you, there's a lot of value in seeing that through. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the other things, especially, I mean, look, I'm, I'm fortunate to be in the role that I am. Um, I don't know, there's an awful lot of gray hairs in my beard these days, but at a relatively young age, we'll say. Uh, and I think one of the things where I've been fortunate there is I've spent a lot of my career in the startup space um, and startups certainly have their risks, their rewards. I started my own company before. Um, all of those things come with their own risks and reward. But one of the, the real significant upsides is, you know, you can grow with a company. And so it's not just what's their track record and like what, what opportunities exist today, but what opportunities will be created in the future. I joined Psyops as a contractor way back in the day, um, between like around employee number 40. Uh, and so as the company has grown from employee 40 to employee well into the hundreds, mm. um, yeah, I've been fortunate enough to grow with them and opportunities have literally created themselves that never would have been there um, mm. at that company's stage and size, but also are significantly harder to navigate large structured corporate organizations. And so um, the, bio, 
tech life sciences space is no different. You know, there are plenty of companies out there that are 20 people trying to strap it together and make it work. And there are plenty of companies out there that are hundreds of thousands of employees and you know, a very structured system. A lot of times, not always, but a lot of times your real opportunities to stand out and grow rapidly can exist in those companies where the company and your career grow in parallel. Right. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Good stuff. I guess in terms of, of your role currently then, Grant, obviously having previously been in um, an agency type role where, you know, you alluded to, it's a lot more kind of salesy and then kind of closing deals and things like that. What do you maybe enjoy about the role now um, that, that, you know, is different to, to what you did previously? Is it a little slower now? Is it a lot different? How does that differentiate? Oh man, it's, it's hard, but it's, it's hard to pin down, right? So we, we talk about recruiting as though it's one job and it ends up being <laughs> so different, whether you're, yeah, you're in an agency environment, whether you're internal, what kind of, you know, what mm-hmm. level of role you occupy. So I'll, I'll speak to it from how my roles evolved maybe over the last couple of years. And so I've, I've functionally led recruiting at SIAPS now for four years and some change. Um, through that time, my title has changed, but I think ultimately it's really just scope of impact that has changed more than any of my necessary responsibilities. I'm still the line manager for recruiting around here also. Mm-hmm. Uh, so while I'm, uh, I actually manage our day-to-day operations of our recruiting team, you know, I also own employer brand and all of those things. But I think what's been, I'll say what's been really fun being internal um, and, and leading a leading an internal talent function has been the ability to start thinking about not just recruiting new employees, but kind of bringing a mentality of recruiting our existing employees every single day. And it's something where you know, we all talk about, I mean, if I say we, Royal We, the recruiting space, I'll talk about how, you know, it's expensive, right? Like yeah. to go out and find new employees is, is not an inexpensive endeavor. It's one of the largest costs that a, a business accrues over the course of a given year. And so ultimately there's a lot of value in retaining employees. And so while certainly I spend a lot of time and I get a lot of enjoyment, a lot of enjoyment <laughs> out of the new employee recruiting side of it, I think it's been a lot of fun over the last year and a half. I've spent more and more time thinking about how do we, how do we build a culture of recruiting our existing employees? And that's obviously not just, you know, the, the easy one there is comp, but it's not just comp, it's culture, it's benefits, it's growth, like we've talked about, right? It's all of those things and kind of bringing them all under an umbrella. And I'm, I'm super fortunate here. We have an amazing people team that actually thinks about this stuff full time uh, and doesn't, uh, doesn't get uh, squirrel distracted yeah. by, uh, by opportunities to go recruit new employees. But um, it's been a lot of fun over the time to, to think about that. And I think that's a, a big difference between maybe being, external and working in the life sciences space as a, um, or in the technology space as a recruiting vendor versus being internal is you do give up a little bit of the variety, uh, working across multiple sectors, which I enjoy a bunch or multiple companies. Um, but ultimately I think being internal, um, you get a little bit more ownership of the process and you also have a bigger chunk of it and a little bit more strategic chunk of it. That's, um, that's a lot of fun. So. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. I guess from an agency standpoint, obviously our process once completed, um, you know, the candidate goes off and, and kind of works for the company. And while we check in it, you know, we ultimately don't see the fruits of that. Whereas I guess for yourself, you go through the recruiting process, bring these guys on board. And then, you know, and you see these guys, um, you know, thriving at PSYOPs, I guess that's probably, um, you know, a part of the role that's more exciting from an internal perspective, would you say? Yeah, I, mean, I think it's it's super exciting, right? And so I, I I liken it to well, I'll say two things here. You know, one um, one of the, the one of the truest joys you get uh, of being an internal recruiter. And I think so we get some of this on the agency side or have previously, right? But there's nothing there's nothing better than converting a candidate into a hiring manager, uh, right? And taking that relationship you've built with someone. Um, I think about Dave Pomerantz, our, our chief commercial officer, who yeah. um, I was fortunate enough to be his recruiter through the process whenever he joined Psyops. Mm-hmm. Um, Help brought him through, and then immediately. I 
I mean, like day one, it's like, okay, Dave, you're on the job. Now, yeah. uh, now we've got to flip the script and immediately start working on building your team. Um, having that relationship and then being able to turn that over and immediately start working on that is, um, is, is really enjoyable. And yeah. the thing I like in it too, is, is really, I think what you're giving up is you're giving up some, um, some diversity of what you're working on. I think for you after the depth of what you're working on. So maybe it's a breadth and depth conversation. And whenever we're recruiting, we have these conversations with folks who come from, you know, big four uh, consulting firms and things like that. We're often the, the reason they're looking to leave consulting and come into industry uh, in the vernacular is that you know, they're, they're kind of tired of dropping a plan on someone's desk and saying, good luck executing it. And they really want to come in and see that through end to end, deliver the plan, kind of own the entire scope of things. I, I think that change happens a lot. Um, when you move internally also and run talent kind of inside of a company, but you do give up. Uh, I think some of um, my, my brain certainly enjoys just the intellectual diversity of working for 15 different companies and solving all of those different challenges. And the, um, I think some of the, uh, some of the fun that comes along with that, like you have a little bit less of that, but um, there's usually not much lack of change at SIAP. So there's always an opportunity to work on something new and something different. Yeah. Brilliant. Good stuff. And I guess what would you say, Grant, are some of the um, key challenges at the minute in, in a position like yours, kind of your seniority? What, what would you say are the challenges you might face that maybe you're not exposed to at, at a less senior level? Man, I, you know, I don't know that it's that different. Um, and, and I don't know if my peers would feel this way uh, or not. So maybe this is just the way that I, maybe the way I experience it, Psyops, given that I'm, you know, like I said, I'm both our line manager for recruiting, but also, um, but also run the executive function of, you know, of recruiting and talent and, and things along those lines. And so I, I don't know that the challenges that we we deal with are that different. Um, maybe there's a little bit different scale. So rather than thinking about it for a particular team or for a particular function, a lot of the problems we're solving are really similar. We're just solving them company-wide. And so I think helping to do those things and certainly look, there's um, the, there's some of the, the mundane stuff. I don't know if that's the right word. It comes along with being uh, with being an executive and managing budget and forecasting and things along those lines. And, and there's certain parts that come along with helping set uh, company strategy and the way we communicate and think about those things. I think ultimately what we're really doing, uh, whether you're a recruiter, recruiting manager, recruiting executive, talent executive, wherever you set in that, you're ultimately spending all of your time thinking about like, how do we build a place that people want to come work for? And then tell them the story about why they should like, how do we tell them that story to make sure that the right people are coming to us. And so that's really where I spend the vast majority of my time is, you know, is figuring out how do we tell the story of the place we've built? Have we built authentically a workplace that, that reflects those values uh, and that, and then how do I get out there and make sure that the people we need um, and identifying who those people we need are, but like, how do we make sure that they hear that story and that folks who are going to benefit from, from the workplace that we've built at SIAPS, which I think is really special, but I'm biased. Uh, how do we make sure that the right people are, are hearing that and, and coming here? Yeah. And I guess on the flip side of that, what would you say are some of the most exciting points of kind of a senior um, talent acquisition type role or, you know, recruiting type role internally? What would you say are some of the areas that you enjoy the most? I know we touched on some briefly, but yeah, I feel like I'm going to start going back to the well here um, before much longer, but I'll, I'll, um, I'll tell one of my, I think one of my favorite stories and it's, it's the same thing, right? It's kind of that same breadth and depth conversation, right? So I think yeah. as you, as you grow, what you really start to experience is um, I'm at a place now where I can look across PSYOPs and short of a handful of people, um, 
personally, I've been responsible for recruiting a lot of those folks. Um, I've been involved in retaining every one of those folks. Uh, and most of the people who are at SIA, and at this point, maybe short of six or seven people, uh, my team at a minimum has been responsible for bringing those folks in. And so at some point, I think where you the real joy of doing this is maybe of, um, of ultimately it's just of being in the recruiting space generally. But I guess at this case of leading the recruiting team broadly is you start to take a real personal ownership and kind of pride, kind of a personal pride in, um, in the organization of the company. If you look at a company like SIAPS, most software, um, most software companies generally the overwhelming amount of their budget is in human capital, right? Mm-hmm. And so ultimately, if we're the ones responsible for bringing in the brightest, the best, um, the most decent human beings to be that to be that largest expense for us. I think you know ultimately it becomes the pride of um, I don't want to say ownership, but I think it's like a personal pride of ownership thing where you look across that and um, the joy that comes from knowing you built um, and we as a team built an entire company together yeah, like that yeah. that's that's really special uh, and i think that's um, maybe where it starts to again it just starts to scale where you as a recruiting as a recruiter may really feel that pride of ownership over these you know these couple of teams you've been responsible for building maybe as a recruiting director or manager you're you have that pride of ownership over a particular department but um you know, once you reach, um, once you're running the whole show, uh, there's a, a certain, uh, a significant level of pride. Um, whenever you're as fond of your coworkers as I am, uh, that comes from uh, from looking out over that and, and and knowing that your group was responsible for bringing such a wonderful, talented, caring group of people together. Like that's pretty special. Yeah. I enjoy that part about it immensely. Brilliant. Good to hear. Um, I guess one point that has come up um, in in previous conversations, Grant, with um, other people we've spoken to here is the importance of um, a mentor when trying to reach, you know, the Mm. seniority that you have done within um, life sciences. And I guess given that SIAPS was your first venture into that space, did you find that you were sort of figuring a lot of that out on your own or did you draw (laughs) on a mentor? Oh, I've, I've been fortunate to have more mentors than I could ever possibly give credit to, um, in this space. But, um, I think I'm, I'm, I'm fortunate to have a fairly inquisitive nature generally. And so I think that the idea of learning a new space, um, was never particularly daunting. And I think that's something that's endemic to recruiters. It's something I I love about good recruiters is they're, um, technologically fairly chameleon-esque. Uh, they can kind of drift in and out of most settings and figure out how to be a recruiter in that space, Mm -hmm. the life sciences space, the medicine space, digital health, whatever you want to call, uh, where we fit at. I think that's, um, at this point, it feels like secondhand because I've been in it so long. But through that time, there have been a lot of people and a lot of hiring managers uh, and a lot of engineers and a lot of scientists and a lot of doctors who have been kind enough to sit down and explain to me in layman's terms what in the world it is that we're doing yeah. and what it's required to get there. And so I've certainly had a ton of great um, great mentors, both on the recruiting side, uh, my time at Bink, uh, a couple of really influential folks I met there. Um, my current boss, our chief people officer, Michelle, has been um, an incredible mentor in how to care for people. Uh, especially in the corporate setting and like lead with really giving a damn about people. Yeah. Um, certainly been super fortunate to, to learn from, to learn from her. And then the rest of it, like the a number of people you meet on a day-to-day basis in this industry who are just willing to share their passion and their excitement for what's possible and how we get there. Like all of that, if you can, if you're just a sponge, it's it's not that hard to pick up. Yeah, uh, and I would say that for anybody, and if if we're um, you didn't ask this, but if the question becomes like for somebody who might be looking to move into not just 
um, you know, move up the, the executive ranks, but who's looking maybe to move from, you know, tech or finance or whatever into the life sciences space. I would say that if you generally have an inquisitive mind and are interested in it, I think you will find the people here overwhelmingly warm and welcoming, um, especially kind of at the cutting edge of, of what's happening in our spaces. Everyone here is learning and building new things together and their willingness and generosity to share and help you learn and grow with them is almost inconceivable. Uh, and so I'm, yeah. I'm both grateful for that. I would also say that if you have that kind of natural learning mentality, uh, which is super important, um, if you have that, uh, I would not be fearful of moving into a new space just because you don't have a medical background or a scientific background. Like there are people here who will mentor you. And I, I do think that we need more folks in the industry who come from a let's move fast, let's move aggressively. Yeah. Uh, and I think there's an opportunity for, for folks who maybe um, come by that pretty naturally as recruiters tend to be uh, to, to yeah. get into the space and, um, and be pushing hard. Yeah, yeah, of course. And I guess another point on what you've mentioned there about the life sciences market being particularly um, kind of open to, you know, helping people and welcoming people. And I think the very fact that, you know, you've obviously participated in, in this podcast here and we've had various other, um, you know, VP, SVP, C-level folks that we're having a chat with, obviously you guys are really busy and the fact that you're taking the time to um, shed some light on you know areas people can improve, how people can reach that level of seniority in the life sciences space. Um, you know, obviously speaks to that. So you know, I'd agree with that certainly. Yeah, it's. Um, I was thinking somebody the other day we were talking about uh, just getting into this space in generally and being in this space and specifically working for for mission driven for mission driven companies. And I said, you know, it's it's nice to be in a mission driven company. You just it's it's great to wake up every morning and like not wonder why you put your boots on. Like you. Yeah. Can, building the next flappy bird, maybe some mornings you're like, is this really what I'm doing with my life? Yeah. Uh, but I, you know, I don't think those of us who are in this space have that question, right? Like we know what we do matters, but mm -hmm. beyond that, I work with 200 other people who all feel the same way. Like point science, mission they believe in where we're going you don't come here you don't get into this space unless you like fundamentally believe that you can better the world and so there's really nice like network effects and cohesion that comes along with um a network effect and cohesion that comes along with all having joined a company or joined joined an industry for the same reason. i think that we see a lot of the like the willingness to help, the willingness to grow, the kind of the rising tide lifts all ship mentality that um, that I've experienced, at least personally, in the industry. Yeah, brilliant. Good stuff. Well, yeah, look, I've taken a huge amount of value from this, Grant, and I'm sure those listening um, will also have done. Is there any sort of final um, final comments or pointers that you might have on you know individuals that, that are entering or, or already in the life sciences space that, that want to reach your level of, of you know success or seniority in the space? Uh, maybe it's a little trite, but it will end on the same note we've been talking about. <laughs> Give more than you get, and it will yeah. it will be returned a hundredfold. I think you know, do stuff like this. Take time to mentor people. We run a great program at Psyops called Psyops Mentor Psyops. It's literally just a structured internal mentoring program where everyone at the company has access to a senior mentor in the organization. Um, you know, mentoring your mentor, volunteer in your community, be out there, do those things, and, and those things tend to repay themselves tenfold so if you're giving more than you get you'll you'll end up where you want to go brilliant good stuff well, i think that's a good note to um end on but yeah look i always appreciate your time grant it's great to uh to touch base and i'm sure those listening will have took a, a huge amount of value here so yeah thank you jack pleasure as always buddy have a good one speak soon see you later bye-bye so that was my chat with grant neckerman 
SVP of Talent at SIAPS. I'd like to thank Grant again for his time and the insight he provided on his career history and his role. I hope anyone who's interested in any of these points we discussed could gain some valuable perspectives from his story. Check out the rest of the mini-series for plenty more insight from industry leaders in life sciences. Thanks again for listening. I've been your host, Jack McLean. Bye for now.